This morning, I, I, I guess, can I start by saying, this morning, if you're taking notes, just, this isn't particularly a practical message. I'll stop being a goose in a second. I'm just getting rid of my nervous energy and letting you check me out for a second. But as, as, as the Lord speaks today, would you write some of the practical things down that he wants to tell you? I just, I'm not going to get to that part of the message today that actually sort of outlines a whole bunch of practical points. And I raised it with the Lord. I said, I don't think I'm going to get there. And he said, that's fine. Just tell, tell your family that I'm going to whisper through to them through the message, hey, apply it this way. Hey, have a think about doing that. Have a think about doing this. So I believe that as I speak this morning, the Lord's automatically is going to whisper to your heart some of the little practical application points because we just don't want to come to church and get theory, right? We don't just want to come to church and get theology. We want good theology, but we want, we want our Sundays to change our Mondays. Who's with me? We want our Sundays to impact the way that you're walking into your workplaces, back into your families, your marriages, whether there's health or financial issues, whether there's promises and, and, and provision being poured out. And that sometimes that's even harder to know actually how to steward that. It's probably sometimes one of the hardest spaces to hold faithfully before the Lord is when all your dreams are coming true. And someone goes, I wish that was correct. But it actually is, it, that actually demands a, a whole new set of, of faithfulness for us. But today as the Lord is speaking to you, and I just want to build a foundation of, of what God, is, I believe, is wanting to do in your church. Uh, what he's doing in my heart and what I feel he's getting ready to do across the land, there's going to be some practical things that he's going to say to you today that you may want to take into your growth groups, or your grow tracks, your connect groups, maybe some of your mentors and bits and pieces. All good? Great, 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 great. So I'll start the clock and we'll push on hard, okay? Good. Si, senor. Si, senor. Choice pro. All right. I, uh, I love the season that your church is coming into. I, again, having been great friends with Dave and Al and, and many of you over decades now, that's starting to get scary, isn't it? Um, but this opportunity to see what God is opening up in the faith of this church for this city. Somebody has to agree with that. This is actually not actually about you, it's not actually about just a congregation that gathers together in this place on a, on a Sunday morning, online. We are actually believing that what is being birthed here, the fragrance and the sound that will come forth from this building, from this community, from your hearts and lives, is going to transform a city. Choice proof. Come on, choice proof. I have to work hard this morning, aren't I? Maybe that I just... That was something is happening here. God has planned something for you. And I believe that what I would like to, if I, if I titled today's message, it would be choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. And I guess that where I'd like to end up is I'd like to end up inviting you up into a higher place to live and to see and to think with the Lord. You know, one of the most important thoughts you will ever have is to think the same thoughts as Jesus. He says we are seated in heavenly places. The Bible tells us that we've been given the mind of Christ and to think like him is one of the most essential elements that we will ever carry. And so we've got to choose our own events. We've got to take those thoughts up into high places. We've got to take his perspective over our problems and over our promises and we are seated with him. We actually have an opportunity to engage from a new place of authority, a new place of identity, a new place of peace and joy. And it's a wonderful place to live. Seated with him, thinking as he thinks. His, his, his heartbeat for us is that we would not be happy 
but that we would be like him. The gospel gets distorted a little bit when we make the gospel about I just want full vats and barns. I want car parks and green lights and I want my kids never to get sick and I want everyone always to say nice things about me. The gospel actually ends up becoming a very self-serving document or theology as about all about making me happy. God is not here to make you happy. Well, I hope we can still be friends in, the, in 20 minutes time but God's not here to make you happy. He's here to make you like him. He's here to form himself in you so that you sound like him, walk like him, think like him, react like him, heal like him, declare like him, break chains like him, not just to make us comfortable. And so we have to change our thinking. And in terms of that, I want to contend with you this morning, or contend for you this morning, probably more accurate, that you can choose your own adventure and it's actually to come up into a higher place with him. Anyone remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books? Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd read the first 10 or 15 pages and then you got to turn, if you want to climb the ladder, you turn to page 34. If you want to go use the red door, you turn to page 76 and you would weave your way through the book making different choices at different sections and you could sort of choose your own adventure and at some point in time, you'd get to the end and go, nope, the room's filled up with water, your journey ends here. And you say, so go back to the last point and make a different choice. Bear Grylls is doing it. Anyone seen Bear Grylls' choose, choose the Wild or something? It's fantastic. Do you want to climb a cliff and go and eat some spiders or do you want to go down to the valley and eat a camel? You know, and, and at some point in time, it actually he finishes his mission because you click these little buttons or at some point in time he goes, no, wrong choice, your journey's come to an end. I loved what M was sharing this morning. That was such a great communion. But when we are in the Lord, there is no end. He always, he's, we get to sit the test again and again and again, and then he pours out kindness, and then he pours out goodness, and then he's gentle, and then he's encouraging, and we move into the test again and again until we get it. There's no end, right, ah, you're done, finished, I'm finished with you. But he's actually saying, I want you to choose your own adventure. Now, if we're going to choose our own adventure, there's a few things that, that we need to be able to do, but the most important thing, and I'd like to just centre in on this this morning, is that it starts with a revelation. Starts with a revelation of who God is for us. We can do all sorts of things. We can look at our gifts. We can look at what the what the Lord is saying to a corporate body. We can look at what uh, my experiences have been and leading up for today and promising for tomorrow. But the essence is, if we're going to choose our own adventure, if we're going to live at a higher place, it starts with a revelation. And it's this, I came a long way to tell you this this morning, and I hope you don't want too much deep theology, but it's. The revelation is, Jesus loves me. This I know, because the Bible tells me so. Everything, everything, everything that is in your life and that's happening in, to, and through you right now is that you would get a deeper and more personal relationship with Jesus who loves you loves you. I don't have time to unpack the four different types of love culminating in the, you know, agape love as the Greeks would help us define it. I don't have time to roll through 1 Corinthians 13 but I can tell you in 1 John 4 it says God is love. I can tell you in 1 John 4.19 it actually says that we didn't first love, he first loved us. He invited us into this love, he awoke love in us that we may know that love and respond in love to him. And you can sort of say, well, what's this Bible thing? And, and how good was Pete talking with, who was that beautiful little girl again? It's Evie. That was awesome. I'm going to steal that idea. That was so good. <laughs> but the Bible 
is not just a book. It is a supernatural book for starters. It is a book that has been written by 40 different authors, 66 different books, 40 different authors written over 1,500 years. Three different continents, three different languages, different genders and cultures and classes combined to write a book which is still speaking the same message today. It's still the number one bestseller on the Times bestselling list. They just got sick of putting it there because you know, Matthew Riley got ticked. So they, the Bible is still the number one bestseller on the planet and it is a supernatural book. And you can't approach it like a natural book. You have to approach it as super. That is why people can write doctorates about it and get become professors studying components of the Bible and never meet its author or never understand its, its intent. And its intent is to say one message. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Jesus loves me, this I know, because this supernatural book tells me so. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 does say this, that to put aside the childish things and to step into the fullness of God has got everything for your life and indeed for your church, is to be able to say faith, hope, but the greatest is love. And so we have to have this revelation of what this love is and what this love actually means for us. Jesus loves me. Now this revelation to live in a higher place, to see as he sees, to think as he thinks, to respond as he responds. Because we've got an opportunity, don't we? We can be completely overwhelmed and we can be completely astonished by the evil and the horror that is continually in our days. We live in a day and age of swipe speed where the information that comes at us is so violent in its entrances because it comes through our phone, our tablets, our radio, our televisions, on screens and here and there and everywhere else and most of the news is bad news or trying to sell you something. And then we live in an age where our souls are concussed we understand natural concussion, right? We understand that when our brain is shaking around in our head, it bangs against the sides of our skull and it leaves us feeling sick and it leaves us feeling nauseous and it leaves us unable to see clearly and we end up aching, yeah? We understand natural concussion. We live in an age where we've got this soul concussion where our souls have literally been shaken inside of ourselves. And we no longer know how to, to walk properly. We're, we're unsteady on our feet. We're, our speech gets slurred. Our, our eyesight gets all blurry. And we just want to lie down in a dark place. This is what the world is doing to us with this information overload. Swipe, speed, demand, demand, respond, respond, do, do. And yet God wants to slow it all down and go, that was never how I intended you to live your life, and yet that was never how I intended you to live life with me. I live at God's speed. There was a Japanese theologian who wrote a book living at God's speed. He called it the six mile an hour, sorry, the three mile an hour God. And we understand that God is light, one of the references of the Bible, and light moves at what hundreds of thousands of kilometers per second. This is a God who is light. He said, let there be light. Light came out of his mouth. He was faster than it. He stands on the other side of it. So fast is he, and yet he slowed himself down to walking speed so he could walk with us, talk with us, 
not breathlessly jogging alongside of us or not sprinting along that we're trying to keep up at light speed. He slowed himself down to being this three mile an hour. About six kilometres an hour is a nice walking space that you can maintain all day, not be breathless and still be able to look and speak and talk and, and reflect on the things going on around us. God has slowed himself down that we can abide in him and he can abide in us. I wonder if you're getting anything practical right now. I don't know if there's anyone online getting some practical stuff. Maybe how we can slow ourselves down. Turn off some of the notifications. Maybe turn them off at 10 o'clock at night just so that we actually get a chance to get some sleep. That your phones don't bing and flash and buzz at us all day. And there's some times that we're setting aside that we can actually slow down and participate and activate this revelation of, oh, you love me. You love me and my soul can find a safer place to rest. He can lead us beside still waters. He can make us lie down in green pastures. And our souls can breathe. And we can rest in him. And then Isaiah tells us that those who would wait upon the Lord, rest upon the Lord, can rise up in him. And we get to go again. And we get to fulfill the purpose and the plan. That he has, but it means we slow down so we can think like him, so we can think with him, so we can dream with him. So the the problems and the and the, and the pain that seeks to intrude into your thinking, into your feeling, into your doing, actually we rise above it and we choose a different adventure. We can live overwhelmed. We can live astonished at how bad. People are, how evil things are, how crazy things are getting. Make the mistake of opening up my news in the morning and you see horror after horror after horror perpetrated upon innocent kids and, and, and you know, done at the hands of evil and self-centered men or politics which doesn't make sense or um, you know, natural disasters that we can't even begin to get a fathom on. We can be overwhelmed by that. Or we could be overwhelmed by his goodness, his majesty, his kindness. We can be astonished at how present he wishes to be, how he calls us to think like him and see like him. And that doesn't mean that the horror just goes away, but it means we carry a different spirit to it. It means we're not coming in concussed and nauseous and just going, I can't do it anymore. But in him we are refreshed and we are revitalised. And I really feel that this is a message for all that you are about to step into as a congregation in this city. Of being able to still ourselves and go, no, 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 I know there's a lot of work to do. I know there's plans and I know there's sacrifices and I know that there's, there's all manner of different opportunities for us to, to do. And it's just, I just feel like it's going to demand more of my time. It's going to take more of my family. It's going to do this and do that and not have this and not have that. Or we can just... Hang on a second. Jesus, you love me. You love me, you love me, you love me. I want to think like you. I know that you're, whatever you're asking me to step into, it's going to be for my benefit. I know that it's going to grow me. I know that you're going to be formed in me. So I choose to trust you and so I breathe. I saw on your Instagram account that you actually did some pausing. Did you, was that, who, who put that up? The, the one minute pause, the John Eldridge pause? No, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, speaking Kiwi. Yeah, yeah. Choice, bro. Awesome. Si, senor. Yep. 
But that opportunity is to do the one minute pause, to slow ourselves down, to go, I give it all away and then I get it to to step in and and be all that you want me to be. All right, let me do this. If we're going to have this revelation, there's a couple of things we have to do. First of all, you've got to participate with it. You've got to activate it. You've got to agree with it. God wants to call you to a higher level. He wants you to live in a different place. Our first response is yes. Yes, I agree. I want to participate in that. I've got a friend at the moment who's lying in Hobart Hospital, had his second round of strokes. Uh, and you know what? We've continued to speak words of life and future and, and, and hope over him. And you know what his response is? Absolutely. That's fantastic. I agree with that word. Thank you so much. Amen. We give him scriptures and we pray over him and we speak words about what he's going to be doing with his wife and his grandchildren. He's going, come on. And the life that is inside of him, that, the, that his body may not be responding the way he wants it to, but his spirit is so sharp. And he's calling people from his hospital bed, going, hey, I've just been thinking of you, praying for you. His speech is a little bit slurred, but he's, he's prophesying over people and he's, and he's speaking about promise and hope from a place of brokenness, but because God, the, the devil can't touch his spirit. Isn't that good? Because we're going to activate, we're going to participate in this sense of God saying, I want you to choose your own adventure. It's going to be amazing, this life I've got for you. I'm going to do it with you. We're going to do it together. It's going to be incredible. But I need you to participate with this. We get to practice it. That's why we come into community, right? We come into community to practice worship here so we can go and worship on Monday. So when the boss or the the school kids or the, the traffic is a little bit crazy, we're practiced surrendering. I... You're my way maker and you're a promise keeper and this is who you are, Jesus, so that when we get into our Monday's mess, we've practiced it together, right? We get to practice being kind to one another. I used to beat myself up when I'd come across the car park having had an argument with Karen or being cross with the kids because they... Well, one of my kids tried to go to church this morning with no underpants. (laughs) So I used to get cross, and then I'd walk into church, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I would think I was a hypocrite. No, I'm not. I'm just practicing a high way of thinking. I'm leaving that behind. I'm leaving it in the car park. I'm flushing it away. It's where it should be flushed away. I get to come in with my brothers and sisters and practice. Or I can take this overwhelmed sense of I'm being a hypocrite and blah, blah, blah. Now, if obviously I've left here and went and did the exact same thing, well, then I'm pretending, not practicing. And there's a difference there. When we get to come in, if we've got a revelation of living at a higher place, if you want to choose your own adventure, if you're going, Jesus, you love me, I wonder what today is going to bring. Jesus, you love me, I wonder what this week holds for me. Jesus, you love me, I wonder what you're going to do in this church. What are you going to do in this land? What are you going to do in the streets? I wonder, I want to think like you. And so I'm going to start um, agreeing with you, participating with you, and practicing some of these things with you. We then get that sense of support. And there's a difference between having spiritual growth, mentoring, and discipleship. My belief is, and again, I hope we're friends in 10 minutes' time, my belief is that most of the church is really happy with spiritual growth. They'll choose whether or not someone mentors them or not. This helps them navigate in and out of certain things, and we we don't mind that. Normally, we get in a little bit of a jam, and we actually find someone a little bit older to, to help us navigate through some things they mentor us through and even less of us really want discipleship because discipleship really is John 15 that says you're in me okay but now I'm going to prune you you can tell someone who's going to prune who's going to disciple you because they come with a set of pruning shears in their hands and they say I'm going to prune this off and on Tuesday you're going to have more fruit 
there's an expectation, isn't it? That I will prune you so that you'll bear fruit and even more fruit. So someone who is discipling me, someone who is discipling you, is going to prune some things off you and then expect some other stuff from you. And that's not quite as popular. And that's okay for wherever you're at, but this is a choose-your-own-adventure. This is being called up into higher and higher. So yes, we love our spiritual growth, and it's important that we can go, actually, that's really good. I could apply that. Oh, I like that. I'm going to put that into a, a Pinterest post. I'm going to put that as a sticker on my car. That's great. Spiritual growth. Fantastic. Lots of really good, positive things. Please, I'm not hearing that I'm trying to just diminish it, but there is another level where someone mentors you and, and, and helps you navigate in and out and helps you navigate higher and deeper and into a richer place of being able to, to break chains and speak truth. And then there's discipleship. If we're going to choose our own adventure, if we're going to live at a higher level, it requires this activation and participation. It requires us being able to practice and get support from a community. It requires actually going and actively seeking someone to a place that I can grow and we need both small, medium and large groups. I'd certainly call this a large group. I know you've got your growth tracks afterwards. I, again, this is Matt, so please, I could get in trouble here. Um, Pastor Dave calls out because he's listening just over the wall over there. <laughs> I just mess but the, you, the, your growth groups are probably your, your medium groups, and then you've got your small groups, which are your one-on-ones, or your, your, your couple of people around a coffee table, and that's where you're sharing your deeper thoughts. Oh, I've got so much to share. But I want, to, I, want to, I want to finish with a story. It's a really fun story. I heard this story about a month ago and, and uh, it's actually, it was actually about a test pilot with the RAF. And so when, you're, when they're testing jet planes and bits and pieces, they don't have the full plane fully kitted out. It's just a, a shell. It's just a fuselage with all, the, with all the wires and toggles and leads and a seat bolted in. It kind of makes sense, right? If you're going to be testing it and adding things to it and taking stuff away, they leave all of the, the wires in the inside of this fighter, um, jet fight, the fighter plane exposed. Right. So anyway, so this guy's mission... He's been te- he's, obviously, he's a good pilot. He's, been, he's a test pilot. So he takes this plane up, and his mission is to fly around at 45,000 feet for around about 15 minutes and bring it back down to the land. Got the story so far? Right, good. All right, so he, he ends up, he takes off, and as he looks down, he's, he's climbing up to 45,000 feet, he looks down, and inside this empty fuselage is a rat the size of a small cat <laughs> chewing on the wires. Now, he doesn't know what wires they are. They're green, they're blue. They're, is it the landing gear? Is it the communications? Is it the fuel lines? Is it whatever? He doesn't know. A, he just knows. In this cockpit at 30,000 feet, there is a large rat chewing on things. Some of us have got some little rats chewing on some stuff, right? We've got a mission. We've got a destiny. We've got a whole bunch of stuff that we know what we want to do, but there's just something gnawing at us and we see it, we've heard it, and we, can't, don't, we don't know what to do with it. So what he does, he's really smart. He radios back to the base. Okay? He radios back to his small group. He radios back to his, his mentor. He radios back to someone who's going to disciple him. And he goes, guys, got a bit of a problem here, climbing to 45,000 feet, but I look down and you won't believe it. There's a flopping rat in here. And I don't know what wires it's chewing on, but I'm 15 minutes from base. I don't think I'm going to make it back. What do I do? Now, he had a couple of choices. The first thing he could have done is seen the rat and eject. Right? Leave it all, I'm out of here. Yeah? But we don't get to eject in our marriages. 
We don't get to eject, just pull the ejector seat with our kids. You don't get to just pull the ejector seat in your workplace because it's actually the workplace isn't about making you happy. It's about you bringing Jesus into that workplace. Now, I'm not saying we should be staying in, in abusive situations or places that God is calling you out of, but I am saying that as soon as something doesn't go right on my way, I'm out of here, man. No, God is actually calling you to stay there so we radio back and we get some of the help that we need. Thankfully, for this pilot, there was someone there with a far greater experience and the first thing he said was, it's the same thing that, that God says to us, is don't panic. Fear not, says the Lord, right? He says, well, what you're going to do is put your oxygen mask on, go past 45,000 feet up as high as you can and as you get up there, all the oxygen will come out of the plane and the rat will pass out. That's genius, right? So anyway, he fits his oxygen mask, pulls it straight up, goes past 45,000 feet, all the oxygen in the plane goes out and the rat actually doesn't even pass out, the rat actually dies. So for all my rat-loving friends, I'm really sorry for this story. Probably should have put the disclaimer on there, the rat doesn't make it. But here's the deal. We've all got issues, we've all got problems, we've all got things which are gnawing at our wires. And you can try and do this alone, but at 35, 40,000 feet, you really are alone. Or you've actually got some support that can actually help you navigate through some of these things. Your mission is not to eject. Your mission is not to bail out. Your mission isn't to when you're in your small group or when you're in your prayer meeting or when you've been asked to serve again is to just go, I'm out and pull that ripcord and poof, away we go. Because this jet plane is worth tens of millions of dollars in your life and this church is worth so much more than that. Our jet plane, bam, gone. But our message, our hope, what we do is echoing into eternity. You have eternal value. But we get a chance to take our problems up into high places. I don't know how you're going to do that. I don't know how you're going to do that this week. I don't know how our friends online are going to do that. But I can tell you this, that when we live at higher places, we get to hear even more clearly, Jesus you love me. You love me. You love me. You love me. John 6 29 says, what's the work of God? The work of God is to believe. Not to do a whole bunch of stuff. The doing flows on from the believing. Not to have to make ourselves busy and continue to try and respond in the same way that everybody wants us to respond. But it's to believe Him. Take him at his word. Jesus, you love me. Your Bible tells me so. This supernatural book tells me so. I'm going to agree with it. I'm going to participate with it. I'm going to practice with it. I'm going to bring some support around me. And we are going to a new level. Each of you is choosing your own adventure, but we're all going up to a new level. Amen.